Uh, coming up is the final lecture in Psych 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics, for the winter 2019 term. I think all my intros said it was fall 2019 or something. Anyway, uh, this is the, 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 the final uh, lecture, sort of a wrap-up, sort of a season finale, if you will. Uh, see you in the fall. This was a triumph. I'm making a note here. Right. Um, I have a podcasting app on my phone. So, um, what I want to talk about today is some stuff that sort of to wrap things up. This will help you, I think, with this essay question. Sort of that. I mean, I, essays in air quotes here. It's not really an essay question, but it is a question that involves having. Um, uh, sort of putting things together. So the closest thing I can call it is an essay question. And you answer it in, in sentences, that kind of thing, right? Um, okay, so there's a few sort of, I guess I'd call them general themes. The, I think one of the big themes is that we have, there's always assumptions in everything we do. So whenever we do uh, any kind of test, any kind of procedure, we have some very similar uh, assumptions. Some of them for all of them. Probably the, uh, there's an eraser, okay. So one of the big ones, so I'm just write assumptions up here, uh, is a simple random sample, which allows us to use the central limit theorem. Um, it's always there. There's always the central limit theorem in the background. And you know we violate this. You know we violate simple random sample. <clears throat> but you also know, because I've told you, that we can violate the hell out of it. It's not a huge deal. But what that allows us to do is it allows us to, to, to make, well, it allows inferential statistics to happen. So it allows us to do these procedures I've talked about, things like everything from a t-test to multiple regression. It allows us to do them. Um, and to talk about Sample distri sampling distributions, right? Because we're always interested in samples because we have, even though we're, we care about populations, but all we have in front of us is samples. We can know stuff about samples because the central limit theorem tells us things about the mean of a sampling distribution and its variance. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, one of the things that, of course, then ends up not being true is that we actually have a simple random sample. So that's, I mean, the nice thing is, like, as I said, we can violate it. Um, the next thing, a pretty common one, uh, assumption is homogeneity variance. So what this says is that all the variances are equal of all the groups, things like that. Now, this is really an assumption about the null hypothesis, because if I say all the groups are equal, they all come from the same population. If they all come from the same population, they're all gonna have the same variance, aren't they? They'll have the same variance, the same mean. It's really a null hypothesis assumption, right? So that, it's, the, it's one of, and in fact, we want this not to be true, but we started assuming it is true. You can, the nice thing about these assumptions is you can kind of violate them. As I said, you can violate simple random sample. You can, to a point, violate homogeneity of variance. 
For those of you who were at the thesis conference the other day, you probably saw error bars on some of the groups that just weren't the same size. They weren't exactly the same size. The assumption says they're exactly the same. They're never exactly the same. We can violate it pretty badly. In an ounce of variance, you know, four to one ratio roughly, and everything's fine. The nice thing is, when we do violate this assumption, it makes our tests more conservative. So it's not like we're going to end up say, having false positives. We'll get false negatives. We're not going to get false positives. We're not going to say something stupid. We're going to miss something that's there, perhaps, if we violate that assumption. But at least we're not going to say something dumb. Okay. But it is an important assumption. And again, it's, the, it's basically a null hypothesis assumption. Now, on the other hand, we have assumptions that we really can't violate. And the key one there is independence of observations. Now, we can, at times, we can say, oh, we use the same subjects over and over again. Nothing wrong with doing that. Maybe we'll just say that that's, uh, the world works that way, that we have the same subjects. Uh, fine, we'll put that in the model. We can do that. But typically, we don't. We think about it, uh, observations being independent. Because remember, if you're measuring the same person over and over again, they're definitionally dependent on each other, right? And this all falls out of the fact that we have a model that doesn't say we have dependence. You could probably build a model that had dependence in it, and we do. We do it with randomized block. We do it with repeated measures. We do it with Latin squares, right? So it's actually built in that it's the same subjects, for example, in, in repeated measures. There was nothing in the regression model we talked about, about if you have this score, then, you're gonna ha then uh, you will have a different score, like your other score will be like this. So if x equals this, then this, if x1 equals this, then x2 equals that. There was nothing in there about that, was there? Right? So that's something that's also important to think of, that in both regression and Analysis variance, independence is an important assumption. If we violate that, because that's allowed in the model, it's going to make error bigger. We're going to miss stuff. And this is where you get situations where you get f values wildly less than 1, usually. It's an independence problem. It's not usually a variance, but it can be, but it's usually an independence issue. Okay. Uh, in fact, a lot of times when you make up data, you'll see this, in fact, with the assignments I've given you to do analysis of variance. The, 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 the last, most recent one, not the one you're doing now that's due next week, but the one that we did repeated measures, when you did the one-way analysis of variance, you got an f less than zero, or sorry, less than zero. That actually is impossible, an f less than one. <laughs> An F less than one, right? And you think, well, how did that happen? I made up the data. Like, I cooked it. I made up the data. And the thing is, the, 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 the observations are just coming out of my head. They're not independent of each other. Humans are horrible at, at, at both detecting and producing randomness. We can't do it, right? And I mean, I know this stuff. This is my job, and I can't make up data that are independent of each other. It's hard to do. I'm not saying when you see that, that something, something wildly less than one, something's missed some independence typically. A little less than one, it doesn't mean people are making up data. 
Okay, so don't say, oh, that, uh, I saw a talk the other day, it was 0.8, so therefore so-and-so made up, that's not what it means. Okay, so don't jump to that conclusion. But I can also tell you when people make up data, it's easy to spot. There have been times when I've caught people making up data. Not professionally, but when we had uh, assignments that students had to do and they had to go out and collect data. This is back in Newfoundland, and I remember saying, you made this up. You didn't give these questionnaires to anybody. <laughs> There's no way you did, because you wouldn't get this distribution of scores. And they're like, well, what, what do you mean? It looks too perfect. Also, you don't know how to make up variants. You can make up means really easily. That's what typically happens. So we can't screw with that. Uh, another assumption is that error is normal and independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared sub epsilon. That just falls out of the, the rest of the model. That's something you, that never gets violated because the math makes that happen. So that's an assumption always that error is normal and independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared sub epsilon, but we, that's not something we're going to violate. It, it's, it's almost impossible to violate that. So there's some similarities. All the tests we talked about had those things. I think the biggest general theme, if you want to say that, is the idea that we are making models. So both for analysis of variance and regression. And let's think about the basic straightforward analysis of variance model, right? Good old x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon, the first one you talked about. Okay? Very straightforward. And let's think about the very straightforward simple linear regression model, y hat equals, I'm going to use b0 instead of a, b0 plus b1x1 plus e. Wait a second. Those look very similar, don't they? Look at that. We've got a term here, mu, that applies to everyone. We've got an intercept where everybody starts, no matter what their score is over here, everybody starts, oh, oh, those are the same thing. And we got leftover stuff we can't explain, so we call it error because we're pretentious. We get an effect of a variable, or to get a score, we have some constant times what your score was on a Oh boy, these are really similar. These are really similar. In fact, if you've noticed on your outputs when you play with SPSS or whatever other stats package you're using, when you look at analysis of variance, it actually says intercept and model. The analysis itself is actually done with regression. Mathematically, they are the same thing. They're just attached from a different angle. So it's doing a regression, basically, to do the analysis of variance. That model, remember we talked about how sum of squares regression for the whole model will always be significant? Well, if you look at the number of degrees of freedom there, it actually matches up perfectly in analysis of variance and regression. Now, that's great with very straightforward regression and analysis of variance. When we get to comp more complicated designs, this can do interactions, right? ANOVA can do interactions. And regression, nope. 
Um, analysis of variance, what else can it do that regression can't do? Oh, you know what? Regression, ANOVA, it doesn't care about uh, the shape of the relationship. So the shape's unimportant. But regression has to be linear. Now, can you do regression using the same principles, but using something nonlinear? Yeah, sure, you could use something with a curve. You could build that in. Uh, it's the same principles we talked about. So it's, it's at least scores regression line. It's just done with, with let's say, a polynomial of some sort. That, that can be done. And the, the, the math's different about how it's done, but it, when you build the model, the way you detect everything, multicollinearity, all that stuff, it's conceptually, it's the same. Conceptually, it's the same. But at their heart, they're really kind of the same thing, which is kind of cool. The question you're answering with these two models is different, right? One of them is about prediction. That's regression. This is about prediction. And this is about, analysis of variance is about is there an effect or not? So here we're building a model of how we think things work of a linear combination of variables times constants. That's for regression. For analysis of variance, what we're doing, we're, we are doing that. We're saying, is there an effect of this variable or not? We're, 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 it's more of a binary decision. This is about how big the effect is in a lot of respects, whereas this is more about is there an effect there or not? They're obviously related questions. They're clearly related questions. But they aren't the same damn question. Okay. So I think that's a big thing, and I, I think I hope that you noticed, I mean I think I pointed it out, but that these are not dissimilar. Hope you noticed that before I talked about it today. Questions so far? You good? All right. One of the really neat things about this stuff is um, we make predictions, we make state probabilistic statements about variables. That's what we do in statistics, that's what we do in science. in your life are you able to say that what's the probability that you're wrong? And actually put a number on it. Now, there's obviously stupid things. Like, what's the probability you should wear pants? Well, for me, it would be a one. You know, because not wearing pants would be a bad idea. They go to work. <laughs> Around the house, I'm not going to let you know what's going on there. But <laughs> I'm wearing pants, by the way. I uh, just make that perfect. Better. But <clears throat> in virtually anything else, you know, except for obvious things that we already know, the probability my million is richer is one. Because I know that's the thing. I can show you my ID. You don't believe me? Why would you care? So, but what's the probability that I'm wrong in saying, let's think of an example from the, the thesis conference the other day. What's the probability that Joey Hodges, when he talked about mood and memory, was wrong in saying that uh, the word fragments that were happy words were completed better than other word fragments. 
It's 0 0.05. That's the probability he's wrong. Five out of 100. Wow, that's really neat, actually. I can actually tell you the likelihood of some complicated relationship. At least of one kind of error, the, the, that, uh, of that not being true. There's a, you know, false positives, false negatives, whatever. But the probability of a type 1 error, I can actually tell you. Same thing happens with regression. What's the probability that that b sub 1 or b sub 2 equals the number I say it is? Well, in fact, we come out with a, a likelihood, a probability. That's really neat. And in fact, because of something like, well, not just something like, because of the central limit theorem, we are able to talk about how the universe works without knowing anything a priori about the universe. Like, I don't have to know anything about a population to make statements about a population. If I collect the data properly, if I design my experiments properly, right? So if I collect the data properly, design the experiments properly, this is why you take all those ridiculous classes that seem like you're going to kill yourself. This is why you take uh, scientific method analysis, right? That's the, the 2127. This is why you take principles of scientific uh, inquiry if you're a biology student. And you're sitting there the whole time going, I want to stab myself in the eye, because at least I could get out of this. But that's actually teaching you how to do this stuff so you can make statements about the universe without knowing anything about the universe. Which is really neat. There's not a lot of times you can, in your life, generally, where you can say, I don't know how anything works. But I'm going to go find out by randomly asking questions, but systematically, to random strangers. Those strangers might, by the way, they're just experimental units. They could be actual people. They could be rats. They could be chickadees. They could be plots of land. That's really neat. And I mean, I think on a, on a sort of purely philosophical level, when you step back, that's really cool. <laughs> like, it really honestly gives me goosebumps thinking about that. It's very powerful knowledge. It's very powerful knowledge. When you look at some of the modeling that's done to predict elections, uh, the best stuff's done at 538.com, and they actually build a model that's uh, more complicated than the stuff I've talked about. Part of it starts out with regression, and they run a bunch of simulations. They actually give you a probability of something happening. That's cool. The biggest problem is people don't understand probability. So at the last election in the States, because they cover American politics, they said it was a 30% chance Trump would win. Because, well, 70% Clinton's going to win, so she's going to win. Well, no, that means three times out of 10, he wins. So in fact, his model was fine. The people that said there's no chance that he will win were wrong, obviously, because he won. But someone saying there's a 30% chance, would you get on it? This is Nate Silver who runs 538. It says, put it this way, would you get on an airplane if I told you there was a 30% chance it would crash? Well, no, because that's too high. So you, when I give it to you like that, you model it in your head, sort of basically go, yeah, no, that's not safe. If I say there's a 100% chance it won't crash, no, you're fine, get off. Right? So when you do this properly, this kind of stuff, you can make really cool statements about the universe. And that's a powerful thing. 
And it, like I said, philosophically, it, it kind of blows me away. Any questions about what I've talked about or what these big themes are? I think, because I think that's my themes. I'm just going to see if there's anything else. I'm just going to double check. Uh, yeah, you don't have to know anything about how the universe works. Anything about the population to describe how the universe works. Yeah, that's what I wrote there. Any questions on that? Because we could, after that, I've done this, we can then, if you have questions, and I'll, uh, and I'll give you some ideas of the kind of things I'll ask about the regression, right? The kind of information I'll give you, but that doesn't make compelling listening for anyone. It's just hearing me right on the board. All right? All right. Thanks for listening to the lecture. Um, all of the audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for da uh, Dr. Dave Broadbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures in Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh uh, 
uh, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada, uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, if you want to call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music. They're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.